Hello, Lisa. Hello, Diana. Welcome to Should We? Creative conversations about the everyday choices that make us. Brought to you by us. Diana, um, is it okay if I ask the first question? Okay, so, well, I'm going to ask the question and I want to answer it. Okay, you do you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the first introductory question here is, should we buy investment clothes? Ooh. Well, I mean, do you want to say anything about that first before I do my rant? Uh, it It is a question that I think about regularly, so I hope this will be relevant for many others. Okay, so I, I've been, you know, my, my perspective on budgeting is always evolving, my relationship to it, my relationship to personal finance. Um, right now, I'm in a moment of like, intense curiosity and I've been like reading all these interesting books about budgeting and like different perspective aligning your finances with your values all kinds of things it's really exciting uh I read an article recently that had this line in it from a financial advisor and it just said um if you can eat it drink it wear it or drive it it's not an investment I I kind of like paused on that line and I was like, huh, what do they mean about drive it? And then I was like, oh, I guess some people like buy cars and think like, oh, this is an investment. I'll, it'll, it's a special car. It'll rise in value or Mm -hmm. I'll be able to sell it later. I have no idea. I don't know anything about cars. And then I was like, drink it and eat it. I don't really think about food and drink as an investment anyways so I don't get that except an investment in my own health Mm -hmm. as for like buying high quality healthy foods but then I was like wear it Hmm. (laughs) now wait a second very often when I'm buying clothes or shoes or something things I can wear I'm thinking is this going to be a good investment Um, Is this an investment piece? Because if it is, I feel better about it. It's not something that is going to, in my mind, investment piece means something that's not going to go out of style. It's been in style for a long time and it will continue to be in style. Um, I will wear it for a long time, years and years. Um... And then, if it meets my criteria of investment piece, I'm willing to spend a lot more on it because I'm like, oh, well, I'll be wearing it over a longer period of time. I want, like, really good It amortizes well. And what? It amortizes well. Amortize what? Oh, amortize is just when you can uh, sort of divide the amount you spend by so- on something by how much you'll use it, and then it's really inexpensive. Exactly. So, all of a sudden, Diana, it hit me. And I and in the moment I had this eureka, 
I put it in Slack. So he's like, you were there, basically. And I was like, wait a second. There's no such thing as investment clothing. Because if I look back at the clothing I own, um, no pair of shoes has ever lasted me very long at all. I mean, even like something I'll be like, this is really high quality. These are going to last forever. Somehow... I don't know what's the matter with me, but, like, if I wear a pair of shoes for, like, nine months, they look like they've been beaten with a baseball bat. <laughs> and, like, all I was doing was walking, okay? And then, like, um, I don't I don't know. Like, like shirts, even, like, a really high-quality shirt, and I try to take such good care of it. I don't put anything in the dryer. Like, after a while, it looks like I've had it for however long I've had it. Mm-hmm. Right. So first of all, everything wears out. Uh, second of all, my body just changes and my needs change. I can't help it. Like I just don't stay the same from one year to the next. Um, so I'm like, it's a lie. It's a lie. There's no such thing as an investment piece. The only thing I have now that I thought was an investment piece and I think still is, is a leather jacket. But there are two things that could very easily change that would ruin that, that the jacket being in that category. One is like my values could change and I would be like, um, I, I don't wear leather. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That is a totally within the realm of possibility. And the other thing that's very possible is my body could change it. It's like a pretty close-fitting jacket mm-hmm. and it won't fit at some point. Okay, what are your thoughts? Well, this is very interesting because the word invest in general, I'm coming to see as an excuse for spending money. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, there's invest in the stock market uh, which can be like speculative or spending money also, depending on how you do it, but isn't sort of my poison of choice. Um, but in most other ways, invest is a way of making myself feel good about just spending a lot of money. And so I think that like, should we buy investment clothing is actually a different question from should we spend a lot of money on clothes? If I ask, should I spend a lot of money? Like I'm asking that right now because I'm buying maternity clothes and some of it costs a lot of money. And I have no illusions that I'm investing because it will not be relevant for that long. But I can ask myself, should I spend a lot of money on this? And often the answer is, I like it. (laughs) You know, it makes me feel good Uh, and I can afford it. And I think that that thought process of I like it, it brings me something I want, and can I afford it right now? Yes, I can. That's a thought process for me that is much more present and aware than the thought process that happens when I start trying to do you know, clever math around is it an investment piece. But in the context of clothing, I have no illusions that I will resell the clothing. I am not buying vintage you know, Alexander McQueen, like, and even that, you know, I don't really know how to sell designer clothing anyway. So uh, unclear whether that would even pay off by becoming more money in the end. But 
you know, buying a house, you know, it's a risky investment, but you can resell it. Like the plan is definitely to resell it someday. Clothing, my default plan is absolutely not. I will not resell it. And so I think investment in that context is more for me a comfort word of do I let myself feel good about this or do I let myself do I make myself feel bad about it? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is this is a good transition to our other our big question for this episode, which is um, should we invest? And like I guess it's just an opportunity to check in on like our relationship to money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that has definitely came up in the last season. And our our perspectives on it are, are like, constantly changing. Um, and I'm curious, like, what are the perspectives or tools around um, money that are, like, new for you? Mm-hmm. Well, the big thing is that in general in my life, I've been working with resistance more. So whenever I feel resistant to something, there's probably something interesting underneath you know there's probably like a big revelation waiting for me if I can just power through the resistance and power through is an aggressive way to say it sometimes it's you know hold the resistance be with the resistance soften the resistance like it's not always about blasting through and destroying the resistance Mm -hmm. like what's an example of a resistance um there's like I have a big resistance to taking out the compost (laughs) (laughs) because there's a moment where it smells really bad yeah (laughs) and in that moment when I lift the lid of the compost and it smells really bad I'm flooded with feelings like I don't want to be here why did I do this to myself could this possibly be worth it but I would feel like a bad person if I didn't do this my goodness is at stake all of that goes through my mind as I take a whiff of the horrible smelling compost and so I've just been taking out the compost every week and feeling those feelings. And, you know, this week I threw away some really old hard-boiled eggs in the compost and I felt very brave. You know, I think that what I realized is that there was an upside after that horrible moment of smelling the horrible thing. I felt quite triumphant because I'd done something that was hard for me. So I think that one of the things I'm learning about resistance there is that if I want to feel good... I can do something that feels hard. Um, so as as you were describing that resistance, it reminded me of like a resistance that has come up for you around money in past episodes was like which was like um, a, a resistance to budgeting. Mm-hmm. And then in in the last episode of last season, you were like, I'm not resistant to it anymore because like I raised the stakes I figured out what was the most important thing to me and and now I have like reason to arrange everything else around that well first of all I completely forget saying that I have no memory of it because my resistance to budgeting immediately returned (laughs) so (laughs) it's nice that I said that and it could have been true in the moment but um No, I mean, I've been reading uh, books about budgeting and finances, specifically one by Julia Cameron, our favorite. The Prosperous Heart. The Prosperous Heart. I started reading it, too, because you recommended it. I have thoughts about it. Okay, we'll we'll bookmark those and come back to them. Okay, great. 
Uh, the other one I read, which you suggested, was the One Page Financial Plan uh, by Carl something. Um, Carl, if you're listening, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we'll put we'll, we'll put, put you it in the, the show, show notes. notes. Um, and that book is all about. Uh, it's sort of like if Julia Cameron were a financial advisor. Julia Cameron's book is like if Julia Cameron wrote a book about finances. It's barely about money. This book is definitely about money, but it's very gentle and patient about walking through all the feelings one might have about money. And there was a part of, I think it was his book, where he talked about how often people feel like budgeting is about self-punishment. Like their experience of budgeting is just that the only thing that could come of budgeting is that they have less of what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes into that in such loving, patient, pragmatic detail that I felt very seen. And I was able to realize that's exactly how I feel about budgeting. I feel like I just started learning what I want in life, and I'm afraid that budgeting will make me realize I can't have all of it. And he points out, it absolutely will. You cannot have everything you want. (laughs) You have to make trade-offs. But I think that the thing that I really took from both of those books is that numbness is not one of my values. Like numbing out to life and being numb to what's really going on around me is uh, counter to my values. And, you know, I would rather be aware of where my money is going and be aware of all of the ways that, uh, actually, by the way, it's not my money. Like I'm married, so uh, it's our money. And I think that that's, uh, we've only been married a year. So that's still like a transition that I'm opening up to and embracing and feeling resistance to and all those things. But, you know, where money is going um, can be hard to watch because it tells you a lot about yourself. And in general, I'm pro learning a lot about myself even when it's hard. So this is just an area that I'd, I was like, not yet, I can't handle that yet, but I think I'm finally ready to approach it. Mm -hmm. And and for me, a shift in my perspective that I got excited about over the past few months is like, okay, I I had this happen with time a while ago where I I realized that I I want it to be that if somebody didn't know me and they just looked at my calendar, they would have a sense of what my values are based on how I spend my time Um, they would be able to look at that calendar and learn something important about me that's true and that perspective has served me really well in like helping me make decisions about how I spend my time and now it feels totally natural even though it was really hard at first because the moment I had that that idea and then I looked at my calendar. It was like exactly opposite. Oh. I was like, this would, looking at my calendar would tell someone that, like, I don't care about relationships, that I'm a workaholic, <laughs> like <laughs> things that I didn't want to be true. So I had to do a lot of, make a lot of changes, and now it just feels natural. Okay, I want to do this with money. If someone could only look at my bank statement um what would they know about me you know or like my future self would she be proud of 
of the way I use money that that and that it reflects my values so then I got I I started to think like okay um I think um I'm not as far off with money as I was with time but I do feel like it's time for a refresh in terms of like the tools and like my system Mm -hmm. so I had been using mint for ages eight years maybe ten years 10 years yeah exactly 10 years I was using mint and um, I think that it had gotten sort of stale for me and I had developed this real resentment that every time I come back to mint I have to categorize every transaction because mint doesn't always get it right and it just felt like so tedious and boring also Every time I get into Mint, everything's red. I was just like, how can it be that for like 10 years of trying really hard to be responsible and really really trying to budget and like thinking about it a lot, still everything's always red. Like I'm always failing. What? I don't get. And also like like it, it just didn't really match with my lived experience I was like no if I get out of mint and just like reflect on my life and how things are going I'm not failing Mm -hmm. so some things mismatched here so then I delved into like the world of google search and I was like 10 years have passed there have got to be fantastic tools out there that are way better than mint there's a robot out there that can just like do budgeting for me it's uh, surely it has happened guess what i found out i could guess but i don't want to ruin it (laughs) (laughs) so okay let's caveat this with the fact that i'm not a financial professional Mm -hmm. and i'm probably getting something wrong here but what i found out is like no seems like um the pros defined vaguely just use spreadsheets to budget and actually the process of like reviewing and categorizing every single transaction is like the whole point Uh yeah it's that's where the awareness comes from what (laughs) I was just waiting for a thing that was gonna eventually get rid of that task for Mm -hmm. me it was a lie that's like the whole point Um, I feel you because I got the second derivative of that experience. (laughs) Maybe it was the third. That's a phrase I use, like the derivative of something. And it's like not even, it just sounds cool. It's a financial term. Yeah. Or like a, you know, calculus term or something. Yeah. Um, But uh, actually it works better as a finances term. Anyway, um, you were having those insights. You were sharing them with me. And then I felt like I got fast forwarded into like there is no tool that will do this for me (laughs) Um, and really the core resistance I feel is to being aware and I probably would just I have mint I never look at mint but when I look at it I just feel angry that it's not right and so I think that the process of getting it right means being aware of everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so like I also just want to list off some of the tools I checked out while figuring this out. Um, they were all like, they all seemed like great and they might be useful f- for others. So um, besides Mint, um, Tiller is 
this tool that makes uh, will make a spreadsheet template for you for your budget and then pull in transactions from your accounts and then you need a budget has like a really interesting perspective on budgeting that I hadn't thought about before um, was there something else I guess those were the main ones that I checked out um, and uh, ultimately guess what I decided to do what I, this is not a forever decision, obviously. Um, but my new thing that I'm excited about is I just made my own spreadsheet. My own way, no template. And um, it is filled with pretty colors mm. only. Um, this was not an idea I came up with myself. It was an idea that came from another person. And I was like, <gasps> what a great idea. I could have like a rainbow mm-hmm. budgeting spreadsheet that I w- want to come back to. It could have be- I could choose whatever font I want, like a pretty one. Uh-huh. And there could be I could make a spreadsheet that has no red in it. <laughs> so this is my new idea. I just got started on it, and I'm pretty hopeful that like actually. Now that I have better expectations about what budgeting entails, um, I can just like simplify. And you know I love making my own special, one-of-a-kind, <laughs> unique way to do stuff. So this is me doing that. I feel like in the future, you shouldn't even look for a tool or somebody else's solution. You should just start from first principles. <laughs> <laughs> and reinvent every reinvent wheel. Reinvent everything. Because you'll th- then you'll like it better. Y- yeah. I think that's true of me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for my part, I took advantage of your research and uh, ended up using Tiller. For me, it's less about the templates in Tiller. It's more about the automated feed. And um, for me, everything always being up to date is very appealing and like reducing manual labor that doesn't help build awareness. Um, but anyway, I just like it. I like that the robots update the spreadsheet. Um, but I went through last week and categorized about three months of spending, and it was definitely uh, confronting, but paired with reading the one-page financial plan, which was a lot about values-aligned spending and budgeting, it helped me realize that a bunch of the things I spend a ridiculous amount of money on, um, like Buyright as a fancy grocery store here, spend a lot of money at Buyright. Why do I spend a lot of money at Buyright? It's not to impress people. Um, it's because that's San Francisco for me. Like San Francisco is eating beautiful produce and going to the market. And if it's into my life right now, and it might not always, that's a thing that I could definitely spend less money on one day if I needed to or if it didn't match my values anymore. But right now I'm being where I am. And part of being where I am is like living in the moment. And I think that's Living in the moment is not so easy for me. I'm very like future and past oriented. And so that's always been hard for me with budgeting is like, I feel like my natural inclinations would push me toward being really responsible about the future, but then I never enjoy the present. And so then I'm like, well, throw it all out the window. Just do whatever you want. But that doesn't feel good either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's making me think about um, like actually going back to the prosperous heart by Julia Cameron um, 
one of the things she advises in there she calls counting and that's writing down by hand in a paper notebook every transaction every penny that comes in and everyone that goes out and um and then of course as with a lot of her things she's like if you feel resistant to that thing like you probably need to do it even more or that's probably telling you something important and I had a lot of resistance to that idea and I was but I was like well, but Julia Cameron says maybe I should do it because I'm resistant and then I like I tried it out one night and I was like no something's wrong for me about this and as I reflected on it I realized that like that practice specifically um, really reminded me of past times when I've been really obsessive about something mm -hmm. like writing down every single thing I eat or something that and and I was like no this is actually not what I need I have the kind of awareness the kind of healthy awareness that should come from doing that practice I already have that, like, that's not the thing I'm trying to work through mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I love Julia Cameron so much. And it was really weird to me to, like, get into this book and be like, yes, like, the person who I always depend on for the things I need to hear has written about money. Great. This is going to be perfect. I'm already, like, signing myself up for her 12-week program in my head. And then I was like, actually, no, I don't think this is it for me right now. It's not what I need. So it depends on like where you're at and who you are and and what you need. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Julia Cameron's books, we're talking like you know her, uh, which maybe you do, but we know her very well from her work on The Artist's Way and Associated Books. Um, it feels like she's basically an honorary member of this <laughs> podcast, even though we've never actually met her in person. Yeah, I would say we probably bring her up in one out of every two episodes. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, you know, her perspective is very much about addiction and recovery. Uh, the Artist's Way is a reconfigured sort of Alcoholics Anonymous style program for creative recovery. And so I think that the thing for, I believe, each of us about finances is that we're not actually addicted and we don't need recovery. Um, I have just been feeling some some resistance um, and I would like to bring more awareness to it, but in a light way, uh, not in a way that is like, I think what appeals to me about Julia Cameron's prose is that she makes it safe to have hit rock bottom, but it would be very false to say that either of us is at financial rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So I, I got into that book and I was like this, it is a real mismatch, but that book might be great for, I'm sure that book would be great for someone else mm -hmm. who who f feels like that, that is kind of what they need, like someone to be with them in a compassionate way at rock bottom mm -hmm. in, and to provide some structure for moving beyond that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that the insight I'm getting from this part of the conversation is that uh, I get something out of pretending that I'm at rock bottom when I'm not, you know, uh, like uh, feeling so bad about the way things are is indulgent. They're not so bad. 
I mostly just feel bad because I'm not living my value of awareness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So bring awareness and then see what happens. Yeah, that that is so interesting. And I, I feel like with creativity, there have been times where I felt like I had hit rock bottom. And that's why um, the artist Sway, her, her like most famous book and program was so helpful to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, any other books that you want to share related to this? I really enjoyed the one-page financial plan. I haven't done it yet. Oh, what? That's not fair. I did two pieces of it. I wrote down my values, and I started uh, I started listing the categories of purchases in a spreadsheet. So I guess I'm doing most of it. See, I'm not giving myself any credit yeah. for being responsible. It's called the one-page financial plan. <laughs> right. It seems like you did a page of something. I did a page of something for sure. Good so, job. Thanks. So I guess that's the program I'm doing. Yeah. It's already done. Very nice. Check. Check. <laughs> um, uh, another book I've read recently is Mind Over Money. And I found that one to be like helpful. Um, but also, so it, it takes this, what I found surprising is it, it takes um, a lot of perspectives about trauma and applies it to um uh, money behaviors and it tries to get to the bo- it's like um, archaeology mm. really trying to get to the bottom of why we do the things we do that feel irrational or stuck or repetitive and um, so it's like very expansive with the the reasons that might be and so I found it like very interesting um, but also like um at a certain point, I, I just put it down. I was like three quarters of the way through, and I was like, I just am like tired of yeah. thinking about trauma with respect to money right now. <laughs> so I'm going to move on to something else. So, yeah, I've just been like giving myself permission to like dabble in ideas and practices around money, which feels like fun. Um, also, I feel like we should say, this is probably the caveat we should have said at the beginning of the episode that like um, our question for today is like, should we invest? There is zero investment <laughs> advice in this podcast. Sorry. Sorry. But um, if you have listened to any other episodes, like you probably already knew that would be the case. Yeah, I will say that the one page financial plan is by a financial advisor and it seems to have some reasonable, very pragmatic advice about how to think about investing in a way that's not uh, not so dramatic. Um, you know, I think the other, what I thought you were going to say is we should acknowledge, like, we work in an industry with lots of money. That's <laughs> very, like, we both work in technology. And so, like, uh, there's lots of money floating around and it's, like, not, I think that it's been tempting for me to believe that because of that, everything's special, like because, you know, a bunch of my compensation is in the form of equity and that that has weird rules applied to it. And so maybe it's maybe I'm special. Maybe the usual advice doesn't apply to me. Um, And it's a privilege to even imagine that I'm special. Um, And I'm mostly not special, mostly the piece about uh, the piece about bringing awareness to money in, money out applies to everyone and it applies Mm -hmm. to me too yeah 
Well, I mean, I also love thinking that I'm special, <laughs> which is why I made a special spreadsheet. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the special part is the layer on top. Yeah. The colors that are pretty and um, the meat of it is just doing um, the doing the work. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to Women's Audio Mission for being our home base. And uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>